BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Ish. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Pendarvis Harshaw. Welcome to Right Now. It's just the third installment of Pins Pals, a series of conversations with creative folks who I know from the Bay but have relocated abroad, and they're doing some innovative things on international soil. This time, I'm hitting up someone who's made a new home for herself and family in Europe, first in Paris, then in London. Toby Brothers is the founder and director of the London Literary Salon. She makes a living by reading about and traveling throughout Europe. But the story starts here in California. We go way back, way, way, way back to when I was a high school student. I was writing poems and sharing them at morning meetings. I thought I was going to be Saul Williams or something. And Toby was one of a handful of educators on campus who pushed students to understand the importance of literature, which added momentum to my journey as a writer. It's been many moons since high school, and we've stayed in contact via social media. And now this week, I get a chance to talk with her about books, world travel, and understanding human connection. We head across the pond for a quick dip, literally, as well as some classic literature, right after this. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Toby, I met you when I was in high school. I went to this unique high school, a, a college preparatory school way out in Danville called the Athenian School. And like the name would lead you to believe, there was a lot of heavy literature about the 
the Greeks and the Athens. And yes, we studied the canon. That's where I really fell in love with, with writing. And, and um, you were one of those people who definitely made sure that I saw that I had that talent. So thank you for pushing me. I am so honored. Pleasure. Such a pleasure. I do remember that you had a wonderful poem and we got it. We got you a slot for that big international conference. You were like 14 and you got up in front of a huge audience and you spoke. You spoke your truth. It was it was big. It's a faint memory in my mind. That's why you reconnect with people you used to know so they can remind you of things. <laughs> well, it's, it's a pleasure to reconnect, um, long distance connect. Um, where are you right now? So I am in London, um, where I've been living since 2008. And previously to that, I was living in Paris. London's pretty great and, and has some resonances for me with Oakland. It's artistically very expansive place. Um, it's got a deep history, of course, in theater and art, um, but also where some art from all around the world um, comes and, and plays. I've never been to that part of Europe, but I'm interested to hear about it from your eyes. Could you paint the picture of like what, what's your neighborhood like? What does it sound like? I love my neighborhood. I'm in North London. Is sort of a kind of funky neighborhood with a big, huge hospital and, of course, a pub. In fact, a choice of pubs and, little, and cafes. Great transport. I mean, this is the thing. You get outside of the United States, you're like, oh, my goodness. Cities have transport where you can really get from one neighborhood to another. It's pretty amazing. One of the things I learned that you have to find a way into your new community in, in a new cultural space. So... I realized that um, one of the things that was big in the UK is um, outdoor swimming, and particularly for women, and particularly for older women. So there's this, uh, the Hampstead Heath is quite close to where we live, it's about a mile away, and there are a series of ponds there. Not just when it's warm, but all year round. And when I first moved here, I was like, ah, that is crazy, I'm, ne I'm never going to do that within a year. I was one of those. I was a winter swimmer. Woo. What is it? It's eight degrees? Eight degrees? Today's eight, yeah. Eight degrees. <laughs> when it's three degrees or two degrees or one degree, it's snowing and you do it. You do it a couple times a week. That's, so that's how I start my day. <laughs> Not every morning, but most mornings. What inspired the move and when did you leave? Andy, my husband, and Madeline, my daughter, we left in um, 2003. One of the things that, that we promised ourselves is that if we had the opportunity to have a life of adventure, of um, living in a different place, of being immersed in a different culture, um, that it was important to us to grab that. Now, I didn't expect that that would happen when my daughter was, you know, three or four years old. And when I had a job I loved at the Athenian school, I loved teaching there. Andy came home one day and said, I have a job offer in Paris. And I was like, oh, 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 no. <laughs> he said, well, we could do this for a year or two. And I thought, I mean, you don't say no to Paris, Jesus. And I also fairly consciously wanted my daughter 
to have immersion in a world that wasn't American, that wasn't the United States. Um, so she would have something that would balance and, and kind of open her perspective. So when we left, we said it would be for a year or two in Paris, and that was 2003. Wow. So that's 20 years. Yeah. Briefly, bring me into what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm the founder and the director of the London Literary Salon, and I actually started this in Paris. The salon is a, it's sort of an experiment in education, using great literature as a platform for understanding ourselves and our relationship to each other more profoundly. Some of the books that we've read in the salon include um, Ulysses by James Joyce, Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, Sound and the Fury by William Faulkner, Moby Dick by Herman Melville. I love teaching. I've always loved teaching, but I couldn't teach when I first moved to France. So the first couple of months, I was just, I was really actually at loose ends. I was at a gathering and somebody had asked me what I did in my life before coming to France. I started talking about teaching at Athenian and teaching Toni Morrison's Beloved. The people that I was speaking to, one of them said, you should do like a book club or something. And I was like, Mama. and she said, no, really, you should think about running a study. At that party, a couple different people said, I'd, I'd love, if you do this, I would love to join. And uh, about six or eight weeks later, I had a group of eight people and we were reading Beloved for five weeks. And when we finished, they said, okay, what are we going to do next? And that's how the salon started. Thank you, Toni Morrison. Thank you, Toni Morrison is actually the name of everything that I want to do from <laughs> now on. There you go. But no, that's, that's beautiful how one conversation could lead to a career, essentially. I get some real great learning, both in my own mind, but watching what happens with other people. For example, having a woman from the upper middle class from the country of India, studying Beloved and suddenly having a moment that the people that have worked as servants in her home for her family all her life, it's not that they're slaves, but she knows nothing about who they are as people. It's like you're constantly unpacking structures of meaning that shape how you see the world that actually often need to be interrogated and opened up. Literature's an amazing way to do that. So over the course of COVID, I mean, the salon grew hugely and it went from myself and one other guy running studies to, I think we're now at 11 different facilitators, about to be 12. Um, and it, um, we're doing almost all the studies virtually, but then every once in a while we do traveling studies. So I get to go to Greece and spend a week on a Greek island studying the Odyssey. And it's amazing. And we, re and we do actually also try to make it affordable. And there are some salon um, funds that we, for people who really want to do a study and for whom things like this can be a little daunting financially. Go to St. Ives and read Virginia Woolf. Um, go to Umbria, read Henry James. And, and now I'm looking at expanding that. Amazing. It's a, it's a literary dream. So, you know, read the book and be in the place where the book was written about. Really experience it. The community that you work with, who are these folks? At first in Paris, it was um, a lot of lovely women 
who were middle, older ages. When I came to London, it became much more gender mixed um, and also luckily um, became more blended in terms of sexual orientation, age, ethnicity. I get people who are landscape architects. I get teachers. I get writers. I get people who are coming out of university and feeling really kind of frustrated with the way that they were raced through books and they want to they want to kind of get the love of it back. So now that you've immersed yourself in local customs and you're traveling through Europe and getting immersed in literature, do you ever think you're going to come home? Um I can't answer your question. There's both a little like agony there but also like a cracking open and an expansiveness. Um, and there, there are times when I, when I am homesick for California and sometimes for something that's purely American, which is weird because I'm also incredibly critical of the United States. And being where you are now, have you developed any new viewpoints on the U.S.? People often ask me to explain what the fuck is wrong. Like, What's with the guns? What's with the guns? I don't have to live in that outrage. And so I think it kind of sh shocks me anew with every killing. And um, I have a sideways look on the United States. And um, I mean, this country that I'm currently living in that has similar agonizing contradictions. It's so much about austerity and, and about scapegoating the immigrant population and making people in the UK who feel they don't have access to the economic power that a lot of people have, giving them someone to blame. And hey, if we do Brexit, we can kick out all the immigrants. I mean, it's like that kind of simplistic mythology that renders a, a country that has such greatness to um to to being xenophobic great a great rift between the very few that are incredibly wealthy and in power and and the many people who work hard and who are in struggle you know i lived in oakland i mean i was in such a great place that to me does embody what's possible when we really greet each other as human beings. How do you deal with that as living there, but still somewhat of an outsider? Constantly and looking at young people who are idealistic and who are out in the streets and, you know, and there's, there are lots of demonstrations and support for all of the strikes and, and it's young people. My kid is in Ukraine helping people get food and clothing and medical supplies because for her that's it, you work to make this world a better place and that, so that's where she is every time i get myself mired in fear for her and worry for her um i i just remind myself it's really important that what she what she's doing and that my fear and worry for her is is a privilege there are so many mothers who don't get to make that choice and their kids are in terrifying situations like that. 
if you were to write something about life to an individual or just to write it to back home, the concept of back home, what, what would you tell folks? Oh, it's going to sound very cliche, but what the hell? Travel, get a passport and go not for the world to entertain you, but for you to understand how small your own experience is. Not in a bad way, but just letting yourself be curious and open to the different ways of being. And that also maybe gives you an opportunity to see that the way you have chosen to live is one choice, and there are so many other great choices. Toby Brothers with the wise words to close out the convo. Go not for the world to entertain you, but for you to understand how small your own experience is. Humbly, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story and your travels and your work and a little bit of insight on how major world events are impacting you and your family. Thanks, Toby. For listeners out there who are interested in learning more about Toby's work, check out the website at litsalon.co.uk. Once again, that's L-I-T-S-A-L-O-N dot C-O dot U-K. Or find them on Instagram at London Literary Salon. This episode was produced by Marisol Medina Cadena. Chris Hambrick is our editor. Jim Bennett engineered this episode. Rice Stottenborough is our engagement intern. Cesar Saldana and Rhea Garewald are the engagement leads. And the KQED execs that make this all possible are Ethan Tovin Lindsay, Jen Shin, and Holly Kernan. I'm Pendarvis Harshaw. Once again, this is our third episode in our Pins Pal series. We're right back at it next week with part four. Peace. Right Nowish is a KQED production. Funding for Right Nowish comes from Akhenati Foundation supporting the development of powerful social change movements to eliminate structural racism. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy, and you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.